Welcome to Mondays with Melissa. Join us every Monday to talk about health, wellness, mom life, faith, hope, and anything in between. I'm your host, Melissa Rolfs. I'm a holistic health and life coach, and I help women break free from sugar and stress eating so they can be calm, confident, and in control. After my own tumultuous journey with food, sugar, and stress eating, I found freedom, and my heart and my desire is for you to find freedom too. So let's start on the journey. Hello, friends. I am so excited to come to you today with Jen Couch, aka Sober Sis. And Jen is an empty nester, and she says people ask her all the time what she's going to do in this next season of her life. And you are looking at it. She feels passionate about making it safe for women to have a conversation about alcohol without judgment or labels or rules. And she's a retired gray area drinker. And around the middle of her 40s, she was tired and feeling stuck on autopilot and really ready for a change. She didn't want to enter the big 5-0 the way that she did 40. So she took a closer look at her life, her mental health, her physical health, and her spiritual health. And she began to find out ways to have more energy, better sleep, and really stay present in her own life. She began to realize wine wasn't doing her any real favors. In fact, it was undoing a lot of her hard work during the day. And she calls this the detox just to retox loop. I had also become like an emotional crutch to lean on during times of anxiety or even boredom. So as a result, she started the 21 Day Reset for Women because she wanted to share what she has learned and experienced firsthand. Currently, there are over 8,000 women from all over the world who have participated. And she says it's more of a sisterhood and a real community of women pursuing being present and sober-minded. Each person has the opportunity and space to renegotiate their relationship with alcohol. It's not a sobriety club, although many of the women do choose to enjoy an alcohol-free lifestyle. So I am super excited to have Jen on as our guest today, where she talks about taking a break from lifestyle drinking without having to use willpower or feeling deprived. And she's really turned it into more of a mindful lifestyle. So I'm super excited to share her and our time with you today. And I now present to you Jen Couch from Sober Sis. Well, welcome everybody. I'm so excited to have Jen Couch with Sober Sis on, on here with us today. So Jen, welcome. So excited to have you here. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's so nice to meet you and get to talk to you today and connect. Yes, I'm excited to have this conversation. So I would love just to go ahead and share with the audience a little bit of who you are and a little bit of your story, maybe to get us started. Yeah, you bet. Well, I am a, a fairly new empty nester here in Texas. And I like to say that I'm a retired gray area drinker. Mm. Some people might go, huh, what, what does that mean? Well, I'd never heard of gray area drinking until about four or five years ago when I started to realize that people could actually have an unhealthy relationship with alcohol or have something about their drinking that they want to change without having to be an alcoholic or wear a label. And that really met me right where I was. So um, 
you know, like, like many, like many uh, women out there, I kind of got into the networking mom working scene when I was in my thirties and my kids were, were a little bit younger, <laughs> definitely younger than they are now. I was too. And um, yeah, so I, I found myself really in my thirties being the working mom where I was at home during the day with my kids, but did a lot of work at night with meetings and happy hours. And it seemed like my 20s were more for building, building business with my husband, building our family. And drinking was not a big part of my life, if one at any. It, it wasn't that big of a deal. But in my 30s is when I really started finding myself going to all these networking events. And then before I knew it, it became an activity for my husband and I to do on the weekends and every date night. Before I knew it, it was also book club on Monday. And then really what started out as just a treat and um, kind of a, a you know special thing on the weekends or whatever turned out to really become more of a habit, more of something that I could just kind of turn to in the evenings, no matter what was going on. It didn't have to be even any more a networking event or a date night. It could just be cooking, <laughs> cooking in my own kitchen. Um, and I know that your audience, I'm sure, has a lot of moms in, in it. And for you moms out there that kind of, you know, we give so much of ourselves throughout the day. And I think I was storing up me time or my time for the evening. And so I would break open that bottle of, of wine while I was cooking because it seemed kind of adult, glamorous. It was a transition from my day to my night. It's like a signal that I could kind of relax, let my hair down and wind. But what I started noticing happening was at five o'clock when I would open the bottle, I would drink that first glass and it would feel so good. I would feel so relaxed. And then it was only 530. <laughs> and I thought, well, it's still a long night ahead. Maybe I'll just have a little bit more. You know, people are running late for dinner. We got homework going on. Maybe I'll just, you know, just have a little bit more. And you can see where this goes because over time, really with anyone that, that drinks on a, any kind of regular consistent basis, you just tend to start drinking more, not less. And that's exactly what happened to me. Uh, Christian mom having a great time with, uh, with God that morning, having a great quiet time, good intentions, getting my yoga class in, juicing my kale, and then finding myself really enslaved, if you will, to this habit that was starting to form in my life that I didn't like. And I quite honestly didn't know how to break free from. And so um, I struggled. I struggled in my young to mid 40s, really 40 to 45 for me was a real struggle um, because those were also the years that I was raising teenagers. My daughter turned 13 the year I turned 40. So, you know, the next five years were kind of her teenage years. And they were also years for me where I was on my own journey of uh, figuring out how to handle anxiety, um, boredom, loneliness, feelings of being out of control, which, you know, for any mom out there that has teenagers or preteens like you, Melissa, about to step into a new zone. Um, I just found it easy to just kind of numb some of that out and check out a little bit. And, uh, but was always in constant conflict of not wanting to check out, not wanting to be a bad example to my kids, but also loving that feeling, uh, loving the feeling until 3 a.m. when I got the wake-up call that reminded me, no, it's really not that great. It's not working for me that well. So I would just wake up with that kind of dry mouth, feeling of dread, like, 
that's just what alcohol does. It kind of provides that, that high and then that low. And I would just wake up, get it, get it going again for the next day and often do it again and feel frustrated. So. Well, thank you for sharing. I resonate a lot with um, some things you said, you know, feeling enslaved to the habit and kind of using the alcohol to, you know, deal with those feelings of anxiety or boredom or even loneliness. So yeah. how did you break free and, you know, find freedom from that habit that you felt enslaved to? Yeah. So it was right before I turned 46. I'm 49 now as we're recording this. And, you know, my daughter had at that point turned 18. I felt like I was kind of exiting a season of life as a mom. And just even as a, as a woman, I was getting close to, you know, looking at the next decade. And I honestly thought, Melissa, I thought to myself, I don't really like how I showed up at 40. I felt overwhelmed, exhausted, not ready. And I'm saying that in air quotes in case people can't see me because <laughs> I don't know what ready looks like, but I just did not feel on top of my game and didn't, didn't really have a lot of alignment. I felt like I was very um, in conflict with myself. And for anyone that walks around with conflict within yourself, it's very exhausting. And so, yeah, I wanted to show up at 50, which I'm very much nearing now, different than I did 40. And I think God heard, heard me. I think God heard my, my cries um, for solutions and for resources that I had been looking for for a long time but had not found. And um, it was right, right in the middle of my 40s, God started really showing me all of these various resources, coaches, uh, programs, podcasts, books, really talking to right where I was, kind of that sober, curious person, someone that is struggling in the gray area. They can quit drinking on their own, but they don't necessarily want to. They feel miserable, but they can. I had the capacity, I had the, I had the availability to quit drinking on my own. I was not physically addicted to the point that I couldn't stop. So I had the option at all times to turn the corner. I just didn't know how. So when I started learning the science, and understanding what is actually going on with alcohol in my body, like the actual chemicals, it really took a lot of the shame away because it didn't feel like such a moral failure when I realized I'm dealing with an addictive substance that actually creates a thirst and a craving for itself, <laughs> much like sugar. Um, there, there is a, something happens where you just have a little bit and you literally do want more. And that's not a willpower thing. It is a chemical thing. It's real. And so I think learning that and knowing that I wasn't alone in this gray area and hearing other people's stories started to really get my mind free from mm -hmm. feeling so isolated and so flawed mm -hmm. and allowed me to start taking a look at what I could change and what I could do. That's powerful. That's really powerful. I think when we, you know, pray about something and God answers us, yeah. And we feel like we have the ability to take what he's given us and do something with it. I think that's really beautiful. So I applaud you for doing that because that's, that takes guts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I prayed and waited. And, and I think while I was waiting, God was also really speaking to my heart and getting me ready to partner with him. I kept praying, Melissa, I kept praying on my back patio, probably while I was drinking a glass of wine. I kept praying, God, take it away. Take it away. And really, by the time I found my kind of key to freedom, it was more about partnering with God 
instead of him taking it away, it was something he wanted me to give to him and him with uh, loving arms meet me where I was and say, oh, good. I'm so glad you you quit asking me to take it away. I don't think you'd want to see what that would look like. Um, let me let me take it uh, from here with you and, and let's journey together. And that felt really different than trying to uh, to do it on my own or, or have him take it away against my will. <laughs> yeah, I think the with you, as you said, is a really powerful statement. It's much easier to do something with someone rather than fighting them or feeling like it's the pull and push. So I think that's really beautiful too. Yeah, it, it made all the difference in the world because I think before when I was trying to change this behavior, which is really what I was trying to do was kind of modify behavior. I didn't really know how to let God into the heart of the issue and into my mind when I was in so much conflict. So it just felt good to lay it down and say, okay, well, I'm still not sure exactly how this is going to go, but I can trust you with the outcome. That's beautiful. And it's so, so true. And I think maybe that's where people struggle. We know what we want or what we desire, but I think it's the how-to that kind of hangs us up, right? Exactly. Yeah, I needed some practical tips. I felt like in Christian circles and in women of faith circles, uh, number one, to talk about alcohol was such a taboo, stigmatized topic that to even bring up alcohol must mean you've got a huge problem. And I wanted to say, well, I don't have a huge problem yet. I've got a medium-sized problem. <laughs> and I don't want it to be a huge problem. But if I can't talk about it, it is going to get bigger in silence and in shame. Uh, we know that about anything that's addictive. It's easy just to keep doing it if you feel like no one understands or you have no accountability. And so for me, being able to, to talk about it out loud really broke down a lot of that, that stigma because there, there shouldn't really be a stigma with any struggle, especially if you're wanting to be proactive. Absolutely. So I, I feel like, Jen, a really big part of this is having that safe space to share those feelings and those emotions. So did you find that safe space? Because you mentioned, you know, alcohol can sometimes be taboo in the church. Yeah, you know, I did. Ironically, it wasn't really in the church, though, that I found uh, initially uh, a group of people to talk with. I really had to go out into kind of the mainstream secular world and kind of be the Christian girl that struggled with alcohol uh, because I also found that everyone can struggle with alcohol. Moms, professionals, Christians, non-Christians that were really more the same than we are different. And so um, again, I think, I think that I had looked into some, into some Christian avenues, but I just hadn't quite found the vibe of my tribe yet, if you will. <laughs> So what did you do with that? Did you make your own tribe? Because I think you made it. I did end up <laughs> making my own tribe with the vibe that I was looking for because I was looking for um, women of all different backgrounds, but definitely a place for women of faith to be able to bring their spiritual side in, their faith walk in, because much like you, I, you know, I believe we're holistic beings. We're made of mind, body, and spirit. And as much as I needed to work on my mindset and understand the science of my body, I also didn't want to lose my spiritual component while I was really uh, amping up these other two areas, which I had not been doing. I'd only had a spiritual side, but in isolation. So I wanted to bring my spiritual side into a mix where we could also talk about science and 
you know, just real struggles and, um, and have a really ongoing conversation. So much of what we do in sober sis, which is really short for sober minded sisters is it's more of a community of ongoing support. So it's really more of a sisterhood because like with anything, it's not a linear path where you do something once or you read a book or listen to a podcast and it's done. You got to walk it out, you got to live it out. And that's where I find these ongoing real friendships uh, to be the game changer. That's so beautiful. And I think it shows the power of community. I think it shows the power of continuity. And I think there's a huge need. So I love what you're doing. (laughs) Yeah, it's been really rewarding, challenging. And again, I mean, if you would have asked me in my young 40s, how would I finish out the decade? Oh, well, I would have only have hoped at that point that I wasn't drinking myself, much less leading um, thousands of women into freedom. And so, yeah, what, what, a, what a blessing. Uh, and I mean that in the best way to have had the struggle because I also wouldn't have had the opportunity to have this passion and life calling that I do now in this new season of my life. It, it turned out the very mess that I had going and the very thing that I didn't want to talk about, <laughs> not at all. Um, the irony, there's always that irony of, uh, yeah, I wouldn't have picked this. I wouldn't have picked this one. <laughs> because I was a later in life drinker and, and I just kind of funny, gin couch, sober sis, what? Some people didn't even realize I was a drinker. So for me, it's just been really great and humbling to have something that was my, my mess and kind of my almost inner turmoil, kind of a secret inside become the very platform God would use to show his glory to other people. Isn't he funny like that? I just have to chuckle because our, our experiences mirror each other almost. So I'm like, yes, I know exactly what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. So what is your favorite part about Sober Sis and what you've created and what you get to do now? Yeah. Well, for, for me personally, I love watching women come into our, our community and realize for the first time that they're not alone and talk about their relationship with drinking without any shame, without any labels or judgment and watching just the relief and release of like, oh my gosh, I just stepped into this kind of me too environment. Like really you, you too, you, you've opened a bottle of wine and finished it whoa, I didn't know anybody else was going to say that out loud, you know, and so watching those initial epiphanies, is so rewarding for me. Um, I do this runway Zoom call in between each monthly reset challenges that I host, and so on those Zoom calls is when we're just starting to build that connection, and that's where I just see just even connection alone without any of the tools already begins to create a different mindfulness And uh, I love that. And then I love celebrating wins with people, whether it's a small win, like a Friday night, when they're typically used to drinking on a date night and they just even take a night off, that's a win. And they don't just take it off from deprivation mindset or white knuckling it, but they choose that because they're playing the movie board and they want a great Saturday and they're motivated because they know they can do it. So I love that. And they have this tribe of supportive women behind them, cheering them on. I'm sure that that's a huge part of it too. Absolutely. I mean, so supportive. I mean, when one of us wins, it feels like we all win. 
And when one of us struggles and shares that struggle, we all learn from it. So nothing is wasted. No, no, set, there's not even something called a setback in our group. We just look at it like feedback. And we want people to share what we call recon events. <laughs> We're like, that's okay. You just had recon. You just did some recon. How is that working for you? Okay, not that great. That's okay. Pick up where you are. Keep moving. This is a marathon, not a sprint. Anytime you're trying to up-level your life, it's going to be it's going to be a journey and you're going to fall down. Sometimes you're going to slip, you're going to fall down. But like I tell the women in our tribe, you know, if you're running a marathon and you fall down on mile 17, you don't go back to the starting line and go back to a day one or like, I got to start all over. It's all done. Nope. You just get up right there on mile 17, dust off that knee, look around, see who's running the race right there. And then get your cadence back, keep going towards the finish line and just get back and keep running. And so that, that is kind of the vibe of our tribe. And I think having progress over perfection as our motto is really helping women feel uh, less pressured to, uh, to have this like performance. Because what I notice is so many women, when they come to Sober Sis are so afraid of failure because they've tried to quit drinking or cut down on their own and not had success. So they come in a little gun shy, like, oh man, hope this works. Or I don't know if I can do it. And they just need to, to have the belief that they can. And if they don't have it, they can borrow ours. Absolutely. And that's the beauty of the tribe. You've got yeah. you know, people that believe in you, even when you don't believe in yourself. And like you said, during the marathon, they're there, they're with you, they'll pick you up and they'll help you go forward. Literally. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. I've watched women just, just while someone's really down, just come alongside and go, I've been there, but I got back up and, and you can too. Mm -hmm. Very, very impactful. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So who was a pivotal part of your journey? Anybody come to mind? Um, definitely. There were books and, and programs that I had in 2017. It was really April of 2017. Um, I'd heard Kate B on a, on a podcast. I read Annie Grace's book, This Naked Mind. Um, I started listening to uh, more uh, from William Porter, Alcohol Explained. Um, these are all resources that I love to share about because, yeah, having having other people go ahead of you and and lead the way. Jolene Park, she did a great TED Talk on gray area drinking. Um, and really, that's what I put in my 21 day reset was curating the best of what I had found that worked for me. Because when I started Sober Sis, I was about eight months alcohol free. And I was so excited to tell other women about the very resources that had just helped me. You know, I didn't want to reinvent the wheel and come up with all this, all the science again. You know, science was science. I couldn't change it. I couldn't really add a whole lot to it. I wanted to share it. And um, and that's kind of where Sober Sis started was me sharing the best of, of what I had found. And then since then, I've kind of created my own curriculum and quite honestly found my own voice. At first, I didn't know my own voice in the conversation. I was just so excited to find anyone who was talking about anything at all to do with alcohol. And so now it's nice to have, have really given this the time to kind of cultivate my own voice and my own experiences now being almost four years alcohol-free. That's beautiful. And I think too, it's really interesting because as you're talking, you know, you're sharing your journey and you've been alcohol free for about four years. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yep. And so you're heading into an almost a new generation of your life. It sounds like totally yep. coming. 
So where, I mean, how do you feel when you look back on where you were and where you are now? What word would you use maybe to describe that? Ah, uh, good question, Melissa. I <laughs> Sorry, like I said it might be threw you off there. <laughs> no, I like it. Good question. I'm like, what word? Because, um, ooh, I like that. I think the word that just literally pops in my mind is is pivotal. I was at a really pivotal point. And I think we all have those pivot points in our life where we kind of see a new direction, but it just takes bravery and vulnerability to step out and go a new way when you're so used to the familiar and that's where I was, where, where I took a turn, is I was so comfortable in the familiar. And quite honestly, where I was when I kind of took a break from drinking, which ended up turning into a lifestyle, I was ironically at a pretty good spot with my drinking, meaning I had had no rock bottom moment. Um, it was very much something internal that I really wanted versus something external that had to happen to me. So the last couple of drinks I had, I went downtown Fort Worth here with my husband and we had our, you know, two margaritas on the rocks. And I looked at my hubby and I said, I'm going to be taking, I'm going to be taking a six week break. That was my first goal was 42 days. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, I'm just going to be, I'm going to be taking a break, but I'm going to do it different than I've ever done it. I'm going to learn instead of just trying to quit or not drink. I'd already done that. And I'd done that for months at a time before, but I said, you know, I'm really going to try to learn and we'll see where this goes. So I think pivotal really comes to mind because I think oftentimes we see that way to exit off the highway. If you will, I was on the drinking highway and I saw an exit sign. I saw like an off ramp, like you can get off here. Now you can get back on. I mean, I didn't sign my life away. I didn't say I'd never drink again. Um, it's turned into that as I continue to be mindful with my choices and see what makes sense for me, what's worth it to me. Um, and so I always tell people I drink what I want when I want. Um, and it just so happens that alcohol for me personally, it's very personal. Uh, what we put in our bodies is, is our choice. And I think having that freedom and that choice is part of where the freedom mm-hmm. itself comes from is I'm not, you know, on some kind of legalistic program where I'm going against what I want to do. I'm finally aligned doing what it is I want to do. And that feels so good. And um, yeah, so that's, that's what I would say is pivotal. So I saw the exit ramp. I took it. I went to a rest stop. I pulled in and I just never got back on the drinking highway. That's awesome. That's so awesome. And I think it's so true what you said. It's not a one size fits all thing. What works for one doesn't work for all. And so I I love that because I very much feel the same way on that as well. So it sounds like what maybe made this time different for you, Jen, was that you were open to learning as you went. Do you think that's maybe what changed things for you? Is that fair to say? Uh, Very fair to say. I think that all the other times I had tapped the brakes, you know, I was still on the highway, just like gas pedal, brake, gas brake. I mean, I was like a yo-yo drinker instead of a yo-yo dieter. I was like, yes, "Yes, no, more or less. I just was still on the highway though. And for me, pulling over and setting alcohol aside was really crucial for me to begin to experience Again, that sober mind, that clear mind, and then start to plug in new ideas, new thoughts about alcohol instead of just the same repetitive thoughts or just, you know, for the longest time when I tried to change my drinking, my motto was don't drink, don't drink, don't drink. And all my brain heard was drink, drink, 
drink <laughs> because that's how our brains do operate. When we kind of give it a double negative like that, like don't do something, it just, here's what you're focusing on. And so just learning so much about mindset and habits. I read all the habits books, put that in the long list of other things that help me. It's just learning about habits and habit loops and cravings and um, just knowing what I was up against. So I wasn't self-sabotaging. Mm -hmm. I'm curious. I heard you say the word mindfulness a few times during our conversation. Do yeah. you feel like that skill or that I don't know. I think it's a skill because I think you learn mindfulness. Yeah. Um, do you think mindfulness in that area has carried over into other areas of your life as well? Because in my training, one thing we um, were taught was how you do one thing is how you do a lot of things. And you can see that with the habits. So do you feel like mindfulness in that part of your life has carried over into other areas of your life too? Yeah, that's so true. I think, I think mindfulness in my relationship with drinking was just really the lead domino that let so many others come together for me because I was fairly disciplined when it came to exercise or eating decent. I could probably up that, um, you know, eating good and, um, you know, time, time in God's word, which is a real priority to me. I was, I was okay at those, but when I got more mindful and more focused on, uh, really exercising self-control without it being, um, something again that I was doing out of duty, but more like empowering that I can discipline my mind and it doesn't have to take over just because a thought goes by doesn't mean I have to agree with it or attach to it and make it my own. I can just go, wow, that was a craving or wow, that was a negative thought or whoa, I'm, I'm anxious. I don't have to log in and, you know, download all of that into my life. I can just recognize it and be mindfully present still. And so I did, I have seen that for sure transfer to, to other areas of my life where I, I have a lot more trust as well, not only in, in the Lord, but trust in myself. I had to actually revamp my own uh, self-respect and trusting myself that when I said I was going to do something, I was going to do something because I'd broken so many internal promises again, that didn't really affect anyone or no one even knew about, but me. And so I think the mindfulness aspect too is just rebuilding the ability to follow through. And that's made a big difference too in other areas. Cause I know now, you know, if I lay out my yoga mat and I say I'm going, I'm probably going to go. Whereas before I was like, oh, I'm not going. And I, I kind of have a little bit of a hangover and I'm not, I'm not going. And I would have all these good intentions and, and less follow through. Now I'm able to follow through more on most of my intentions. And that's powerful. Yeah. That's really, I think yeah. powerful, especially as women of faith, that we are acting in integrity and we're doing what we say that we'll do. And I think it's, it's a game changer. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I have loved having you on here. I think we could talk for days. <laughs> oh, I know. Oh, I know. There's so much, and there's so much of the work you do that overlaps with the work I do because um, as you and I were talking about before, you know, when women start to kind of let go of that, you know, that wine at night, which is basically sugar, uh, straight up, just a sugar fix, um, the sugar cravings go up. And so I'm excited to continue to learn from you because that's probably one of the biggest questions I get is, wow, I'm replacing, you know, dessert instead of that last glass of wine at the restaurant. I'm like, well, 
probably early on when one's changing their relationship with alcohol, one thing at a time, right? I'm like you're still winning. If you have a piece of chocolate cake and not that third glass of Cabernet, you're winning. But at some point for women, and I know this in my own journey, um, I did have to start to look at other areas because I couldn't sustain just eating whatever sugar or dessert I wanted all the time. Started to not feel good either, just like drinking didn't feel good. And so, yeah, I can't wait to learn from you more about just the layers of um, really how habits and cravings and addictive substances are very similar. They are. And so many parallels in our journey as you're talking, I'm like, just replace <laughs> that with sugar. And that's me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. God. So if people want to work with you or they want to hear more about you or they want to see what you're about, where can people find you and, and what kind of goodness do you have for them? Because oh, I know there's so right. much. <laughs> right on. Well, I'm definitely very active on Instagram at SoberSys. And so I'm always posting uh, just holistic health, encouragement, um, alcohol-free beverage ideas so that if you still want to feel like you've got the ritual and the fun of having the pretty glass, but you don't want to put alcohol in it because you don't want the regret the next day, um, I'm sharing a lot of ideas there. So definitely follow me on Instagram if you're not already out there. And then I do have a free guide. If you go to SoberSys.com, um, I've got a free guide to help women and kind of survive that five o'clock, wine o'clock time and just real practical tips and tricks for even taking a night off. And then every month I do run that 21 day reset challenge. And so I encourage women to, uh, to look into that if they're even starting to feel like they've got the red light engine coming on their car on the highway and they just want to pull off. This could be a pivotal time just to see that exit ramp. You can always get back on the highway. This is just a, a rest stop. And um, I really invite women to do that because it has been a game changer for so many. Absolutely. And just with who you are and what your story is and what you're about and the community that you've created, I don't know how it couldn't be. So if this does resonate with you as a listener, please go to her website and please do her 21 day program and just, you know, take, take that side off of the road, like she said, and, and just invest in yourself and your health because you matter. So that's right. Right. Thank you so much, Jen. Is there anything else you'd like to say in closing? You know, I, other than, you know, I've never regretted not drinking the next day. And so if that's you out there and you're like, yeah, I just don't know. I can just tell you on the other side of not drinking, whether that's for a night, an evening, or even changing your lifestyle. I've never regretted um, the freedom that I've experienced and what I, what I lost besides the hangover, the weight gain, the 3M, call, all the things I lost really are, are just negative, but what it, it just pales in comparison to what I've gained and what I've gained is clarity, freedom, uh, lost a few pounds, saved a few dollars. And really more importantly, um, I feel aligned. I feel wholehearted and that's worth everything to me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for your time and being on here and sharing your story and letting God use, you know, where you were and, and using your story to help other women who are where you were, because I know how powerful that is. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me. You are welcome. We will talk to you soon. Okay. Sounds good.